Dude, silence is golden. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm, well, am I the person on the phone? I don't, I'm Jude. Uh, and I will say, I have no idea on that intag. Listen, man, that secret is going to my grave. Friend Daniel specifically uh, asked for it not to be revealed. So I will I'm not reveal Daniel. it. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was like that. Wait. And, and I literally thought about it. I was like, wait, did we talk? No, I don't, I don't remember having that conversation. So and this started running through my head. I was like, that sounds like leech. Sounds like something you'd be doing with leech on the other side of the phone. No, maybe Nick. And so yeah. Then I was just like, okay, forget it. So yeah. It's now part of the MCU need to know lore. Who yeah. did Trey call? Yeah. Or did Trey get a call? I keep making visual gestures, but this is an audio-only podcast. They can't see that. But I'm, I'm not going to say anything. My, my lips are sealed. All right. So, how are you doing, man? Dude, I'm glad you asked. Happy to talk MCU. This is a haiku. That worked better after episode two, where there was a haiku <laughs> centered. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I am not a haiku person. Um, <laughs> you said haikus fix everything. <laughs> well, they do. That's why I don't fix anything because I can't do them. <laughs> so that's the issue. So the two funniest things to me right now. <laughs> I wrote that for last week, but of course you were here. And then two, this is the one week you don't lead with. How you doing, Trey? <laughs> so that was also part of why I was having my lips sealed, waiting for you to ask the question. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. So like for me, what, what I think of when I think of haiku is I think of oh, arguably, maybe not. Maybe it's not arguable. Maybe it just is the best episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Where it's tales of bossing say, and they just have these little vignettes, and Sokka goes into that haiku competition. Oh, it's been year. I don't remember it. I haven't seen that. Oh in years. my gosh, I will watch that just there. That one at the end makes me cry too because it's like in like I, Uncle Iroh sings the you know, spends his day in the city of bossing say, and at the end like lights a candle of incense for his son who lost in the war, and then it was like in memory of. Um, Mako, M-A-K-K-O, basically the actor, I think, that, that I originally voiced Uncle Iroh. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> I love this show. Yeah, like this is... Uh. To give you an idea of how long it's been since I've seen that, I got so impatient waiting for my Netflix DVDs to come into the mail that I drove to Blockbuster to pick up the remaining discs of that final season. <laughs> okay, okay. So... We're so off the rails so, already. <laughs> we are. And I can't even, I forgot to get the stopwatch. So I can't even tell you how far in we are to this, this pod already. Ugh. So we, this is what happens when I, when I missed a week and we haven't talked. I did the same thing when Amity and I got introduced to West Wing. 
mm-hmm. we were going through season one and season two, and I was just going to the library, the local library, and and checking them out. We get to season three, and they didn't have it. And so I found a movie trading company that had season three and bought it. So that's the only one that I own. And then the rest of the seasons, there's seven seasons, we did. We went to the library. <laughs> and Avatar The Last Airbender, the first time I ever saw it, because uh, I didn't see it on the original run, I saw it on Netflix, and that was the first show Amity and I ever used the streaming side of Netflix for. This is the first thing I've ever streamed in my life where I was like, when you think of like streaming and Netflix and that kind of that first thing ever Avatar last year, been all three seasons. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. I fell into binge watching hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of things that are dated before we jump into this week's episode of she Hulk, did you want to share any thoughts you may have had from last week's episode, episode three? Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. It was cool listening to you talk about it. There was there was two things that that you said that I was like, oh man, I really wish I was there. One, you brought up Kumite, mm-hmm. and and I'm listening. I don't I don't remember if I texted you or voice texted you, but immediately because I know I was in the car, and immediately I was like, what? Like is, is you you gave it, and I and I looked it up. I had that definition, right? The the Kumite is one of three main sections of karate. I know Kumite from watching the movie Bloodsport with John Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. And that emphasized, or not emphasized, that influenced so many masculine hyper males <laughs> when that movie was out uh, in the U.S. in 1988. Um, just watch guys beat each other up. Mm-hmm. Testosterone the movie. It. Yeah, man. Um, now, when I say that, I'm going to be up front. Like, if it's on... I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> like I will return to my 1988 childhood, you know, but it, and it's supposedly based on, um, Frank Dukes played by John Conway Dam's life. And I think it was debunked about like this whole thing was fake. It was all made up his whole life. And this, this thing that a Kumite or whatever, wasn't real and didn't exist, especially the way he talked about it, this underground like fight club, which is what Wong did, right? This underground fight club. And so to me, it was like, that's where the reference was. But I was wondering in my head, I was like, wait a minute. Hey, would Wong do that? Is Wong the kind of person that's going to bust him out of prison because he needs to prove himself to become the Sorcerer Supreme? And because he referenced Kumite which I think was made to be made up and not real. I was like, is this the Wong we know and love? I don't know. Like, like, is that like a little hint there of like, Oh, there's something not there. So like, that's, that's the one thing I would have definitely brought up when you brought that up. Um, and then the shot of the, the, the gin Hulk mashup in the window, you know, and I, I took that, as at the end of the episode at the, at the very end of the episode with the wrecking crew that that was a more of a disappointment and it was a further even feeling of like i don't know this the struggle and identity i don't know who i am 
<laughs> so we went completely different routes on that one. Yeah, and and that and that like who is this person that would do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of thing and and kind of reconciling where it's it's interesting cuz so it's like Hulk and Bruce Banner and we in fandom we did we complained oh we didn't get to see the combining that that you know into smart hulk and that reconciling of the two sides whereas jin and she hulk i guess is already combined but she didn't it was a forced combination it was like it, it didn't have the opportunity to to come to that herself mhm and and so there's elements of like, oh, I can do this, but it's so new that I don't, and to to me, that it doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel like myself, kind of thing. And that's that's where I took that that that, that shot of like disappointment. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, like we're getting that. That's where we're getting the show. We're seeing her already merge, but having to to struggle with that of like. It it wasn't by Bruce of already having to work like to work for it, right? It, it's it's the same struggle, but just kind of a different way at it. Mm-hmm. I do have a follow up, but that would be getting into episode four. But which we're here to do follow up to that. But it would be yeah to discuss the episode we're going to yeah. talk about today. But another thing that I would say. Uh, well, two things really. One, I was totally waiting for people to be like, "Dude, just color correct your screen." It didn't de-emphasize oh. the green skin. <laughs> but two, I'd have to re-listen to exactly what I said. But I think to me, it was more so de-emphasizing the strangeness. I don't think, and I made the pr- the prediction, which didn't turn out to be correct, of kind of enjoying that side of it more. But I could see that still being like the de-emphasization of the green skin, but being where you're at. So I like your read mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, cool. Thank you. I'm glad to, glad to get your thoughts. Greatly missed you last week because it would have been fun to have this back and forth uh, with these oh, episodes. Yeah. It's always fun. Yeah. Well, of course, if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about season one, episode four of She-Hulk, titled... Is this not real magic? Now, the way we're going to handle this is we're going to do some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a chance for us to discuss the episode without getting into spoilers before hearing an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone, where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? I'm, I'm going to take a page out of uh, friend Ken slash Coworker Ken slash, I don't know, his uncle of little listener nephew Ken. Um, <laughs> you know, well, it's it's one of those things where like it, it, I didn't get to see it as as soon as as I would normally in prepping for an episode like this, and so today, the day of our recording, I feel like Luca Brazzi. Today, on the day of your you your daughter's wedding, yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, it's like, it's like, you know, it's Friday and I hadn't seen it yet. And there was an element in the back of my mind. I was like, dude, I don't do this during lunch. I need to see this thing. I'm the MCU and guy. And came up to me and <laughs> my juniors don't know yet, which I find interesting. Some of my seniors do, 
but because I didn't have juniors last year, the only seniors that know are the like my class of 10 over the summer. But because I didn't have juniors last year, my seniors are like all new one repeat from the summer and the, and the juniors are all new. So it's weird having students that don't know in the past couple of years and word got out. It's almost like Dr. Strange did a memory spell for all your students about your podcast. Yeah, history. <laughs> right. Right. And they're all, and they're all like, so do you watch She-Hulk? Did you like it? Did you watch Miss Marvel? And I'm like, why are you asking me this question? And, and then it dawned on me. <laughs> now, all that to say, what Ken said was this more so than anything felt like, made it feel like a TV series. And he said that before I watched it. And as soon as it was over, I was like, yeah, he, he's spot on. Uh, that doesn't mean I didn't like the episode. I really enjoyed it. But it felt like a TV series. What I also think, and, and this is, I think, still pre-spoiler enough, is because of the nature of the show with the fourth wall breaking and the meta stuff, it it knew what it was and was able to to kind of play into that as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I actually liked. So yeah. So you have not seen what I put in the Discord yet, and I'm going to no, repeat that. No, I have that. not been to, to reading the Discord. I also know how this is going to sound, but I promise you, I did really like this episode. My pre spoiler thought. This episode was stupid in the best way. Uh, like, okay. that was the only thing I yeah, could think yeah. about at the end of it. <laughs> like, we've seen the MCU get to a point where, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, with Love and Thunder, we did our episode. I said I wasn't a fan of it. Felt like it was having a laugh at the expense of the MCU. This, to me, why the it feels stupid, but I love it in the best way, is it feels like it's laughing with the MCU. Without getting to spoilers, it feels like it's it's creating this fun space while having the wrapper of the established world. And it's just, it's so silly and so fun. And I think there is a core of something growing within this episode, like a, a bigger problem. But at least on the outset, this this episode was just genuinely funny and silly. Yeah. So uh, let me add to that and, and cut me off if you think this is, it gets beyond spoilery. Okay. It's definitely um, a filler episode. Okay. It, or it feels like a filler episode, but in a good way, right? It, it was like, and and what I mean by that is like, it, it, go back to Avatar: the Last Airbender, right? There was episodes that were filler. You know, it was like it didn't tell us anything about the overarching story of that book. Right or season, if you, you if you know you know but of that book, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like like what happened in that time really didn't give us anything to the overarching thing. It was just the tales of Bossing Say, fantastic filler episode. But it, what the insight they were able to give us into the characters by saying we're gonna like take a pause from this overarching threat and story and just look at our characters. That's one of the things that helped make that show so good and those characters so well-developed. And and that's what I mean when I say this was a filler episode in a good way in the sense of like, it felt like we're taking a pause from an overarching narrative, 
but in a good way. And plus, I think it was really clever because I don't know if they've actually revealed fully the overarching narrative yet either. And I, and I think they've actually started to drop some of that in this episode. So it we're definitely has getting that, there. Yeah. So it has that feeling as well. But then I think we're going to look back at this episode and be like, oh, this is there's a there's a little bit more layers here in this episode than we realized. Well, cool. I think that's a, a good place to put our pre-spoiler thoughts before jumping into the spoiler zone. But even before we do that, I do want to take some time to say, hey, if you are not aware, we have been doing rewatch parties on Monday. So if you're listening to this the day it drops uh, in the Discord at 7 p.m. Central Time, we will be rewatching episode four of She-Hulk. So if you want to watch along with us and share your comments, it would be a great time. We've done two weeks already so far because we doubled up on one and two, and I'm enjoying it. It's really cool to get to watch along with uh, Rob was there, Kiko, uh, friend Daniel joined this last time, and it's just a completely fun experience. Yes, I I missed it. I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm sorry. I'm a bad like, co-host. I, I forgot I thought, to send you the details. <laughs> I, I thought it was at 7.30, not 7. In your defense, 7.30 is usually when we gather with guests. Okay. And, and so like, I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, I have time to do the dishes and finish. Okay. And, <laughs> and like, that's what I did. And when I, and when I sit down to go get on to do, to, for the watch, the, the group, it's so weird. You, me and Frank Daniel have a group text, but we also have a group chat in discord and the discord group chat. Frank Daniel was like, that was fun. I'm really glad y'all, y'all are doing that. And I'm like, did I miss it? What? <laughs> like, like it's only seven thirty-four. Like, what? What's going on? Well, you know what? The best thing about that, we, we can use this as a teaching example, because the chat does not disappear. You can actually go back and read people's reactions to the episode. So, if you want to get caught yes. up when everybody said, you can be ready for next week. Uh, and for those who don't know, no microphone or camera needed. It's all text-based. Uh, whenever you join the Discord, make sure you. Uh, look at the bottom voice channels. It says watch party. That's where you connect and get to watch along with us. So yeah, oh, absolutely. Links in the show notes if you want to join. Mm. All right. Like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers and the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So we're going to break this down into three most important topics, which are the magician versus the sorcerer, swiping right, and drinks in a magic show. So this first one, you look like I'm you hold, had some... I did, but I'm going to hold the thought. Okay. Because it's about the second most important, so I'm going to hold that thought. Okay. So this first one's pretty self-explanatory. It is going to allow us to really hone in on Donnie Blaze misusing the mystic arts and Wong using the legal services of Jin to help put an end to that. So Jude, where do you want to start within this section? I'm going to start with Mr. Blaze um, <laughs> because... I can't believe they finally introduced the Fantastic Four. What? Bad joke, isn't it, Johnny Blaze? Well, yeah, but that's not the Fantastic Four. That's Johnny Storm. <laughs> Johnny Blaze oh. is Ghost Rider. Oh, even in my dumb joke, I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, today yeah. is a bad day for scripted jokes. 
so yeah, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, and like you know, which would have been really awesome. You know what they should have done? What's you that? Have about fun stunt casting. They should have got Nicolas Cage. Oh, because he did the, the Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze. And given what portal he opens up in the end, yeah. Oh, that would have been really fun. That should have that completely should have been Nick Cage. Completely missed opportunity. But I did think I Dude. was wondering. I was like, wait a minute, is that? Are they are they trolling us? Because he's doing the thing, and Donnie Blaze is like, what? And then when the guy off stage, I can't remember his name now, is like, do the thing, and he's waving his arm around and like, light it. Oh no, light it up. And when mm-hmm. he was around, I was like, if he starts swinging a fire chain, like this is, uh, you know, this is going to go uh, go nuts, you know. But then when he did the 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 ring, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Um, but yeah, though, no, that's that's exactly where my mind went. That's funny. and Nick Cage could have played that. Nick Cage as a skeevy magician, it writes itself. I know, and imagine with the goatee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick Cage could have done that. That was complete missed opportunity. Uh, I wonder if it was if they even. No, I wonder if they even considered it. No offense to the actor who actually portrays Donnie Blaze, but did fantastic. That, that would have been a good like visual gag. Did fantastic, but you want to talk about you know, especially coming off of the Evan Peters stunt casting and people who listen know my feelings on multiverse of madness and that kind of stunt casting, right? Like mm-hmm. it would have been so good, you know, and you want to talk about throwing confusion into like, wait, wait, multiverse and, and stuff like that would have been amazing. Um, now I had some issues with this episode. Okay. And I quickly let them go. And cause, and I realized Wong is just that amazing. And the- cause I'm watching it and I'm like, you're the Sorcerer Supreme. What's this like stole a sling ring from you and you can't get it back and you got to go to your lawyer. Like this isn't adding up, but Wong to me, assuming this is the Wong we all know and love, you know, again, cause that multiverse saga and you just, what the hell's going on? He's the kind of character for me that you can do that here and do this over there. And like, I'm totally going to buy it. Cause it's Wong completely. So, yeah. And so at first I was like, ah, and it's like, ah, you know what I mean? It was almost like, what are you doing to the Wong? I was like, nope, have as much fun with Wong as you want. As long as we're getting Wong. So I've got two ways I want to go with this. First to the defense of Wong. It wasn't that John, uh, Johnny, I'm going to be making this mistake all episode. Donnie blaze stole the sling ring from Wong. He was an ex student. So he snuck right. that out of there. But it wasn't like he took it specifically from Wong. Yeah. So defending him a little bit there. But the other thought, given how righteous Wong is about he's tampering with the mystic arts and one yeah. fell move could destroy all universes of unknown and known whatever. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants to believe, yes, what Blaze is doing is reckless. But I feel like this is the punching bag for the frustrations that Wong feels against Strange. That that layer of this was so subtly funny to me throughout all of it, especially because it's underscored with 
my new headcanon that Wong was a quote-unquote street magician before becoming part oh. of Karmatage <laughs> because the yeah. pettiness that comes out of Wong where he does the card trick to give his info to Jin mm-hmm. and it's revealed like this isn't the magic it was the stupid human tricks and then he has the other one when they give the cease and Behind desist and he the spits ball? the ball out <laughs> yeah that Wong used to be a street level magician. I'm almost positive now. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Although I'm going to say like me personally to show you the influence of COVID has had on me when that ball came out of his mouth. I'm like, Oh, he's going to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, Oh, it's well, speaking he of like street magic. Mm-hmm. You know, brother Daniel learned how to do the, the Jimmy Woo card trick. Since WandaVision or before WandaVision? Since, like, like within the past, like, month. Next time we're all together, he needs to, I want to film this. Yeah. I want to see this. That's how how I know. He sent me a video of it. That's awesome. (laughs) I showed showed it to L. I showed it to L, the sixth grader, and, and there were, and she was like, I can see the card stick between his fingers. See, brother the thing Daniel. Was is I, the thing was, is I didn't see it. I was just like, I was like, oh, that's cool. Whoa, magic. <laughs> brother Daniel needs a hype man magician to push the card back into his hand. Right. Like this right. guy pushes the cease and desist letter back yes. into his shirt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh. Oh, that's funny. While we're still talking about the, uh, the street level magician, I never thought about what it would be like for these magicians to live in a world where superheroes exist because it is just not exciting to the audiences anymore and that like opening up on that was the like oh this is going to be a fun episode just mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. just starting from there is so wonderfully spirited <laughs> yeah well and then and again what is what is the real magic mm-hmm. is it what wong does or is it what this and oh i love it so good so in that magic, we're kind of jumping within this section, but we're all stemming from this opening part, which probably shows how good of a prompt it was. But in this beginning, we do get introduced to, I think, a new beloved character, Madison, two N's and one Y, but not where you think. Okay. That, so. Okay. On Facebook, I I, uh, I I think I lost it, but it was because, uh, you know, as we're recording right now. You know, pull, take a pull each out of year one MCU. You need to know as of this recording, pulling back the curtain. Um, any other phrases? D23, Disney Plus Day, you know, stuff was dropping this weekend. And there was, it was like a fake thing. It's like the next big announcement. And it was like a Disney Plus show with Madison <laughs> as a logo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like, didn't yeah, see I'd, that. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the Madison Cinematic Universe. Yes, yes. No, I didn't see the 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 fake text around it, but I did see the logo and I shared it in the Discord. <laughs> uh, oh man. Okay, so it took me a second too. I was like, okay, how am I, how am I dispelling it? And you've seen it spelt, right? Yeah. They spelt it out for us in the episode, too. Okay. M-A-D-I-S-Y-N-N, like Disney. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. M-A-D-I-S-Y-N-N, Disney. Like, that to me just jumped, when I saw it, when I I visually saw it, like, that just jumped off the page to me. 
Well, while we're talking about names, this is tangential, but it's still within the section, so I'll say it here. There's a part where after Jen is trying to organize her day and right before Wong comes in requiring assistance, you can see the background of her computer and there's the name Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway, I believe. And at Mm -hmm. first, I thought Goodman was a reference to Saul Goodman. Because I thought, oh, lawyer show, they're kind of like poking at another lawyer show that's uh, prominent right now. But I kept digging and I found out those three names, the first three names and their namesakes are references to the original Marvel publishers. Martin Goodman, Stan Lee, born Stan Lee Lieber, and influential writer Jack Kirby. Yeah, that's awesome. Jacob Kurtzberg. So, yeah, that was a fun little Easter egg. You'll see it later, but I sent you the logo thing I I, I sent you. Coming 2024... Madison, <laughs> one why, but one it's, why, not, where it's you not where you think. Oh, that's good. So now that we've introduced Madison, how did you feel about the uh, the friendship between Wong and Madison? Because I know for me personally, we were just a few weeks too early for our duo's bracket. This they would have swept that bracket, no problem. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Um, you know what? So so there was an element of. I need to watch it again and and think about this because I don't know if I'm really appreciating how awesome and clever Madison was. It, it's okay. So, so do this way. And I, and I tell this to my students, like it's, it's one of those things where like, Oh, stereotypes are bad. Right. And, but from, from like a media perspective and, long or short form storytelling, meaning, um, you know, movies, right. Or even filler episodes like this, right. The stereotypes can be helpful to showrunners and creators and stuff because we know it's going to, it's that visual vocabulary. That's who this character is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so you don't have to do a lot of development. You're not spending a lot of screen time and stuff developing this character. And it's serving a purpose. Um, and we see th- it happens all the time. We see that all the time. Like we're as a society, we're OK with it, you, you know, um, and you can get creative and you can put it on its head. But the more I think about it and, and sort of the one watch, like the the way they were able to like subvert my expectations and play on that character of a female who's ditzy party, you know what I mean? Kind of stereotype, but then really, I don't know, make, make it someone I fall in love with and you don't just like, Oh, that's who that is. That's the purpose they serve and just miss, you know, and, and to make it that big of a, that big of a deal and in a weird way, kind of humanize, um, and to set, and to show that they're in some ways more than just this stereotype. I, I loved it. I really hope we see more of Madison, but because of that, like, you know, like let's like lean into that. And cause that's one of the things the show's been doing so well of like trolling all the, the people who were like, did you see there was complaints about the spoiling Sopranos? Yes, only because I knew somebody who watched the show who is currently starting The Sopranos. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's like saying that's like saying but they weren't, like they weren't like, actually mad. 
No, there was, I think, some things that I think were some people were actually, like, mad. It was, like... Oh, like I, at, yeah. yeah. I was like talking at, about the person that I knew. Right, but, like, at this point, it's, like, it's it's episode four. Why are you still watching if you hate it this much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? And and just their their ability to, to have the hand on the pulse of that, of, like, yeah, this is going to make people mad, so we're going to lean into it and make fun of them. For, you know what I mean? Oh, even down to, like, the way this episode opens. It's like, oh, I bet you're pretty happy. You found out Wong's in this episode. It's like Twitter yeah. armor for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, this show so like, knows its audience. And so that's why I love, not only does it know its audience, it knows its audience the both good and the bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the toxic audience and just the, the ones that are just going to love it and eat it up and enjoy it. And so that's why I just like that. That was so clever of, of what they were able to do with so little in, in, in messing with stereotypes and, and what we're used to seeing. They could have easily reduced Madison to just being shallow. Like you talked about what the stereotype is, but it doesn't end there. It does become part of their, legal case which doesn't work out like they planned but not because of madison madison was being truthful it just wasn't thought through between wong and jen on that part yeah. oh and yeah. then even the the end tag of like wong and madison bonding over drinks yeah. it starts off with wong being apprehensive about it but by the end they're genuinely having a good time going over drinks and so it gave life and perspective to what could have been a stereotype to let it grow into something more. And I think that that's what's great about the, the Madison portrayal. Yeah. Well, well that's, that was the thing is cause, cause the feeding into that stereotype of, Oh, now we're besties and Wong's like, you know, and it's like, no, they, they're besties. There's nothing like, it was great. Cause even the way, like, cause at first, like, yeah, he, she spoils the Sopranos for him, which is a bummer on him. He hasn't seen it by this point, but (laughs) <laughs> whenever they're leaving the courtroom and he's like, all right, it's time to get you home. And he's like, let's get Froyo and talk about Sopranos. And he's like, okay. Like it's talking, yeah. like having somebody talk that out with is what brings them back. <laughs> yes. Uh, so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, the other thing that I think was very funny to me in that courtroom, uh, after the judge is hearing the case of Wong and Jin about how blaze and his associates are misusing magic. The two things that was funniest for me is one, the way they kept escalating how they referred to the judge, your regency, your elegancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they just kept changing mm-hmm. that. But two, it felt so much like Job from Arrested Development, where he was like, <laughs> This is real magic. And then they have the the scene where Blaze is doing magic, his other managers doing magic, and his lawyers doing magic, and you hear Jin off screen go, even the lawyer's magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so good. Man, it's just, it's just so funny. It just is. And and it's not like, it's just, it feels like they're running on all cylinders. Like it felt sitcom lawyer show funny. Like, like mm-hmm. this is, this is the, that old, you know, what was it on NBC? The, TGIF lineup, you know, and you had like friends and all this other stuff and you had the dramas on these one nights and the comedies and, and laugh out loud Thursdays or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like very sitcom-y funny stuff and, um, just so well done. So in the pre-spoiler thoughts, I talked about how this show is laughing with the MCU rather than at it. 
I think this court case is a good example of it because we've talked about a lot of the silliness that came with that courtroom, the defenses, Jen and Wong's plan bringing Madison in, not being what they thought it'd be. But at the heart of it, this really feels like a population that is dealing with the whiplash of superheroes becoming so prevalent. Like, of course, superheroes have been known since Iron Man made his debut, but since Endgame, I feel like the interaction of day-to-day civilians has just grown exponentially. And so to have them have a case where they're trying to be like, no, we have to be careful here because we have real magic now. We can't let this fall into the wrong hands. This is what I feel like the show is hinting at towards a larger payoff. Maybe Mm -hmm. even if this episode is a filler, like you said, we'll look back on this because it even opens up on episode one with Jin saying, what what is the accountability of power? And even though everything is kind of goofy around this, that core is a very important question. And Wong standing up and giving a very, like, he believes it defense of why they should treat it respectfully. And the judge is like, oh, at the bunny, that to me is going to be telling. Yeah, well, because it's, and and for me, watching all that, it it just shows to, this show knows where it's at in the sense of saying like, we got it. You were, you, you buy in to this world, the audience, you've come this far, you've bought into this world. You, You know what I mean? Like, like you accept that somebody can be a Hulk and somebody can do a sling ring and all that stuff. But we're also going to show you the absurdity of if that was real. Like, how would that work with the book of American law versus the book of Ashanti? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Which, like, like, the absurdity I, of it is so crazy. But we've also, as fandoms, bought in, you know, and what superpower would you have? I still maintain teleporting is the best. But that's what I think that that really draws it in about this. It's like, yeah. You brought up the, the book of American laws versus the book of Vashanti. Given how we both felt about multiverse of madness to varying degrees, it makes me laugh extra hard every time that Wong brings up book of Vashanti. <laughs> <laughs> Jin's like, no, no, the American law. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, so I had a follow-up, and I don't really have any other place to put it but here, and I'll use that to transition us into the next important topic, unless you've got more. So you talked about Jen feeling conflicted at the end of episode three and looking at the car window as a reflection of herself and not really appreciating who she is at that moment for what Mm -hmm. just happened. I don't feel that completely, Because the conversation that she has with her dad, where he shows up very earnestly wanting to help her change locks, pepper spray, and security alarms and whatnot, she seems very confident, like, if it happens again, I'll just beat them up. She didn't go to the police about it. Like, she, it didn't feel like she was conflicted about what she had done. It was more so like, I can do this now. And you could even look back in episode three, where when those attackers first jumped on her, she was very afraid and screaming, and then goes, oh, wait. And turns into She-Hulk. So that's the only pushback I think I would have to your read of episode three. How much do I want to go down this road? Because, <laughs> okay, well, it, it gets in this area of like, 
of like I I really don't know what I'm talking about kind of thing. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Um, That's why we do a podcast together. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, and and so it, well, okay, so so it's one of those things where I mean, how do I want to word this? Like it's so clearly, and I and I mentioned it. You know the 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 last episode that I was on. And I, and I said I was dancing around it, but just kind of like the the calling out of toxic masculinity. Um, you're propping up the female empowerment, and you know, and calling out those stereotypes and spinning those on their head with Madison and and all these other things and the struggles women have in the workforce that I don't experience. Right? Like I can have conversations with my wife. I can see her frustrations and things she goes through. I can see over the past years where I have messed up as a coworker and like, Oh, I need to get better. You, you know what I mean? It, like I can see those things, but what, but, but my response to you on this whole, like, Oh, well I can do it. When, when I think about personally and I have, and, and when I think about this, I trust me, it's not only in my head. I, I go and talk to other people. I talk cause I, It'd be silly not to feminism, right? And and mm-hmm. not going to go through like the history of first and second way. Like I'm not well versed in that, you know, to to like dive into it. But I I remember having conversations, in particular with my wife, about feminism and this and this idea of women potentially feeling like. And again, I notice that the language I'm using, women potentially feeling like I don't, I don't know. These are conversations I've had though, of like feeling like they have to do it all. A potential push of feminism is like, no, you have to do a job and you have to be a mom and you have a wife and, and, and I get it. Like, that's not, I know I'm playing into gender roles, but the idea is like, it's not a, oh, you can do this. It's like, you really should like you have to, you, you know? Um, and I, I remember it sparked uh, the conversation that sparked one it was some magazine and it was like women professionals and, you know, doctors, lawyers, CEOs, but they're also holding their babies. And, and my wife was like, I don't. And, and I think it might've been a time where she wasn't, but she was between jobs and getting her teacher certification. Right. And it was like, I don't feel like I'm any less empowered or this because of, or, you know, um, and she felt like that's what it was portraying. If like, you have to do this, you know? And she's like, no, 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 no. The feminism is about me saying I can do this and I'm allowed to, not that I have to. And if I don't do it, I'm, I'm not a failure. Right. And I don't know. I can't say that that's everybody's experience with feminism and I'm not going to, you know, but because of those conversations, when dad shows up and I guess maybe cause I'm also a dad and like, and thinking like, okay, what do I do if my kid is a Hulk and I'm trying to support them, you know, or actually what we are actually seeing kind, I think kind of is things that parents go through. Um, I haven't experienced it yet, but I know it's coming for me. But when parents have that transition to, Oh, this is no longer my adult son or, or my kid's son it's my adult son, right. Or my adult daughter. Um, and you've had years of, this is what it meant to be a parent and that relationship changes. And so like, he's doing what he can for his 
his daughter, his baby girl. Um, and she's like, well, I can take care of it myself. And, and so for me, there was that interplay of that going on and this sense of like, after this of like, Oh, who am I in, in the mirror here? And she's like, well, I'll just take care of it. I'll beat him up. You know? Cause like, she's a lawyer. She knows she should have called the cops and she didn't. And so it was that because I can't, I have to. And I was like, no, you, you don't have to call the cops. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually the way I took it of, and, and still part of her struggle of like figuring out, you know, it's that, Oh, I don't want to be a superhero. I'm not, I guess, cause I can, I kind of have to be. So like her response, Oh wait, what am I doing? I can be, I can handle this myself, you, you know? Um, and you're right. You can, and she can, but yeah. so, so that's the way I took that scene. Mm-hmm. So I think that does transition us into the next most important topic, which was the swiping right, which is going to be the section for us to really zone in on the uh, matcher scenes where Jen is trying to find a date, both as Jen and later on as She-Hulk. Had a and the reason I went tra- earlier and I forgot it. Oh, I should have let you say it when I was detailing <laughs> I the. Uh... But I was the one that I was the one that said, "No, I'll save it." Like, I forgot <laughs> it. Anyway, the reason I wanted to transition that because I think we're onto something here. And this, I'm not. I'm going to admit the next two sections is where I have the least amount of notes. Like the bulk of my notes came from the magician side of the silliness. I think you're exposing a. Um, a deeper read than I had at the beginning because you talked about not feeling or feeling conflicted in the end of episode three, feeling like you have to do this. And then we see where Jen is still trying to live her own life outside of this new Hulk side. And the moment that stood out to me that I didn't really have any notes until after hearing you speak is whenever she does successfully get a date as she Hulk, she says the line, this is demoralizing for Jin. And that felt like one of the first times, I think it is the first time that she has referred to Jin as the other rather than She-Hulk as the yeah. other. Yeah. And so that, so I'm glad you walked through that and that unlocked that scene for me. And I think this dating, because I mean, it was already there, but that that stands out a lot more to me than before. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. This is demoralizing for Jen because you get this mix of like She-Hulk is the one breaking the fourth wall and they both do it. So we, so I, it's safe to assume that that's not a She-Hulk power or a Jin power. That is a... Well, it, let's use Moon Knight. This isn't DID. You know what I mean? It's not like they are highly aware of each other because it's the same person. There's no like different personalities to, to start to have that split and those two identities. And again, what I was kind of telling you that she was forced into it and she has to have that agency. She has to accept it. She has to, to, to choose and want to be, but yeah, she did. She's like, this is going to be demoralizing for Jen. And and you see that compartmentalization of like, oh, okay, I can set this aside. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna think more about that because I think I think that's definitely we're we're seeing that split. Because at the end of the at the 
into the episode where, and I know I'm skipping around, but at the end of the episode, that's fine. She, she finally meets or hooks up with somebody. And the next morning, it's not she Hulk. It's like, Oh, and then leaves, you know? And so you're kind of left with like, if I, if this is being rejected, why would I want this? You, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's, it's the whole Thor Ragnarok all over again, you know, where he's like, he's like, no, you, you only, you only, you only like me because of the strong guy. No, I like you because of you, <laughs> you, you, know, you know, people listening can't see, but you just pulled off the finger pointing perfectly that Thor does <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> But you know, it's it's like no, no, no. But but we like you. But but we kind of need the strength, and you, and you have that back and forth. But like she's internally going through that of like, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's still the extreme case of what the outside world wants of Jen versus what Jen wants for herself kind of situation. Because she like she plays it off pretty coolly, like oh okay, hot doctor's a cliche anyway. But that you could see the defeat and hurt in her face when that yeah. dude just walks out because she was being herself, and that that was heartbreaking. And it doesn't give it much time to really linger on that because that's when the doorbell rings. But that that sucked. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. So, well, yeah. I mean, now I do. You said something. I do want to say. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I'm like almost like 100% confident that when he called her a specimen, you thought of winter soldier. Oh, hundred percent. That's a, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That, that scene where they're in the Apple store trying to hide from the Hydra agents and DC Pearson comes in to Steve Rogers, like, Oh, specimen. (laughs) And then walks away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I think we're going to look back on that potential suitor and be like, Oh, because he had very specific questions about how to pierce her skin, mm-hmm. which we saw thugs from last week trying, trying to, to do. pierce her skin. Yeah. And so she, he was like, do you think, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say adamantium and it's not adamantium. What's vibranium. The vibranium. Do you think vibranium would work? Yeah. He's just like, well, I'm not really looking to get myself killed. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, no, I'm with you on that. I'm that was super that. specific. Well, that's all I got notes wise, which admittedly went longer than I anticipated, but uh, I want to check with you before moving into the next one. No, let's go to the next one. That's no, let's go. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to say something else. No, I said, no, let's go, let's go to the next one. We're I'm, I'm good. Let's have a drink in a magic show. <laughs> so this section is going to be for us to detail that last sequence where Donnie blaze outside of better judgment invokes the magic and summons a portal to a bunch of demons and needs the help of Wong. I am going to throw to you, but I want to set the table here. I'm going to start with with a question. Okay. Let me set this and then you can go from there. I'm not saying I subscribe to this theory, nor am I trying to put forth this theory. But Mephisto is coming. It would be the funniest thing if She-Hulk is the thing that brings in Mephisto. That would be, I would love this show to the moon and back if this is where we finally get Mephisto. Oh, that would be so funny. That would be so funny. Right? I mean, like the portal to the demons, the blood pack with a goat named Jake. 
they're doing something there. Okay. Does it bother you or does it like feel like they're messing with canon or anything like that? I will say for me, it does not, Mm -hmm. but it crossed my mind. And so that's what I'm asking that like all of a sudden the sling ring can open up doorways to other dimensions because like when Doctor Strange was taught in the movie, it was just like, imagine where you want to be. It's like a, like a wormhole, but within like, it wasn't interdimensional travel. And this clearly was like, you went to another dimension. You, you know what I mean? The way, the way they wrote it. And so the thought crossed my mind is like, oh, that's, is that just for comedic effects? So we're just going to use that? Or is that really a, uh, again, we're talking about where we've talked about before. Where is that thread of being the multiverse saga through phase one and the potential of like, we've been watching different universes the whole way through. Mm -hmm. And is this another example of that? You know, is it that, or is it just like, eh, whatever, play with it all you want, have fun. It's a fun show. Like, who cares? Does that make sense? It does. Uh, to answer your question, I was not bothered. It didn't even cross my mind. Wasn't thinking about it. Having you phrase the question, does it bother me to mess with the canonicity, if that's a word, of the MCU? It reminds me of a conversation we had the other day where you sent me an article about She-Hulk keeps breaking the MCU timeline canon because it's referring... I forgot what the specific examples were, but it made the reference about wiping people's minds and how messy that can be. But this was taken place before or after No Way Home, so Wong wouldn't have known about it or how would he have known about it. But they'd done it once before. They'd done it once before. Yeah. 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 To me, I said, I feel like we need a new rule when it comes to the MCU, where if canon is broken for a joke, it is not weighed as heavily as a dramatic scene. Right. And I agree with you on that. That's my North Star for all of this. But, because, well, but if it goes too far, eventually there's going to have to be a point where they reconcile that, but I'm not concerned about that here in this show. But if they keep going down like, okay, now the Sling Rings can do this and do that, I feel like at some point, say in the next Doctor Strange movie, maybe that's something that gets addressed. Like, I won't hold it against it if it's not, but I would would appreciate it. Right. Because so the, the problem becomes, again, this isn't taking me out of the show. I'm not mm-hmm. there. But I didn't think about it till you mentioned it. But it's like, America Chavez is one of my disappointments of the movie, not her performance, but like her, the use and just being a MacGuffin. Really? I didn't, I didn't think they used her, that character. Well, cause she was really there just so we can get through multiverses. But if the sling ring can do it, why did we even need that? You know? And so, and that's why, like when you start getting into, well, what what about the canon part and the idea that this is phase one of a multiverse saga? Um, are we are they ignoring canon for the sake of the show, or 
I guess because because some ways I feel like yes they are because like as creators from from everything you read and stuff and you hear people in interviews that it's like no we get a lot of creative freedom you know they might tell us we can't use this character or that character Spider Man for She Hulk or something like that but you know or they might ask you have to introduce this character things like that but it's not like here it at least my understanding there's still a lot of creative freedom. And so it'd be interesting to see, is that like a showrunner writer, creative freedom and the MCU is going to do what the MCU does and grab these little things and build upon it down the line. Or was that one of those things Feige said, Hey, we need them to be able to do this. Yeah. It, it feels like, it feels like something they can build upon. Mm-hmm. I've been desperately trying to think of an example, and the only example I can think of, despite knowing there are more, is how we pointed out in Thor when we reviewed it, where Odin's giving the speech at the coronation of Thor, and he refers to Thor as his firstborn, and they cut to Frigga rolling her eyes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because we've seen Ragnarok, we can now read that as like, oh, Frigga knew that, you know, Thor wasn't the firstborn, but she's kind of scoffing at it. But they didn't have that in mind when they wrote it. Right. That, to me, feels like what we can look at this now of, like, they might not have an idea of what they're writing now, but it's something the MCU can pull back to later to tie-ins for. Yeah. So that's why, like, I'm more lenient with it as a joke than I am otherwise. Yeah, because he, like, brought in a bird that hatched a gremlin demon out of the egg. Mm -hmm. And then a whole bunch of gremlin demons attacked. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... Listen, man. Uh, it's the fine line between a well-trained sorcerer and a street-level magician. <laughs> 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 I will say I love the running theme of Wong being interrupted as he's just trying to watch TV. Depending on where this takes place, the idea of him being a part of some magical adventure with Doctor Strange putting that to rest and finally getting to go home and then watch This Is Us and The Sopranos to the point where like he was watching The Sopranos and like dancing as he was sitting down ready for it. And then the world just keeps bringing him back up to mop up messes. Ah, I poor wall. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I, I feel like he would have already seen The Sopranos, but okay. Listen, it's it's a it's a tough job being not only the librarian of Carmitage, but then the Sorcerer Supreme. It's pretty demanding. Yeah, yeah. I do love the line whenever Donnie finally gets him to come fight, and he goes, "I want you to know, I'm doing this for the universe, not you." <laughs> yeah. uh, oh man, that's so good, so good. Was there anything else that stood out to you about the fight? I, I the the visual effects of She Hulk have come into question a lot. I didn't have any. That was a pretty, yeah. That was a pretty visual effects heavy scene with all the different demons coming in, Jin interacting with them, Wong teleporting them and away. I thought it looked all right. Yeah, because didn't think twice because the episode's so silly. I it didn't bother me. Yeah, did not think twice about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did love the aspect of them like randomly growing as the the fight continued. That escalated the feeling of that fight even more. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the only thing we have left, which is where this episode leaves us, is Jen being served by Titania. 
for the illegal use of the name She-Hulk, which one I find endlessly hilarious that it's not a name she cared for. And just as she was warming up to it, she now gets this, uh, what was it? The IP violation from Titania. Right. Uh, no copyright. Copyright violation from Titania. Another ex- great example of the like, no, okay. Trademark. I'm sorry. It's trademark. Trademark. One of those. I'm not a lawyer. No, it's, it's trademark. You can't copyright that. You can trademark it. But yeah, it's just more good examples of like, okay, I'm finally going to do this. Here's the next problem. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this episode leans on it is, uh, is very funny to me. So we have uh, more Titania to look forward to in the coming weeks, potentially next week. Uh, we haven't seen that portrayal since episode one outside of images. So I wonder if uh, Titania will be coming back. I, I think so. I think this is not going to be the last. I think we're going to have a lot of Titania from here on out. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is like the second half. Oh, now the the main plot is taking over. Yeah. Well, it's it's nine episodes, right? And that was episode four. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing to add to it. I just want to say how much I love. I mentioned last week whenever Jen says, oh, connecting the A and B plot. Nice. The fact that Jen refers to the tag here. Another one of the hardest laughs I think I got out of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's the other thing we mentioned what I mentioned earlier. The show knows itself and knows its audience. Like it knows that this is what it is when I when I was calling it a filler, but I think it's a clever, more clever than that, because it gives you that filler feel. But I think I think what's happening is going to be end up being, especially with Titania, you know, more important than we realize. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So we'll uh, we'll have that to look forward to in the coming weeks. Well, unless there's any more, I think we can move into our final thoughts. I like the name Wongers. <laughs> That's all I got. I like the I name tried, Wongers. <laughs> I tried so hard to find some pun name off Wongers for the most important topics, and I just could not think of anything. I thought maybe Wongers and Demons, just because of like our Wongers and Dragons, but that didn't fit. Like I was trying to show you the bottom of the barrel of ideas that I had. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I just can't wait for the day that Dr. Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, says Wongers. Oh, that's coming. Yeah. Do we see Madison in Dr. Strange 3? That would be fun. <laughs> just a cold open of like Wong and Madison. See, that's the other out. thing is we need, we, we need that show, Wonger, Wongers and Madison. <laughs> right? Like, 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 give us this show. Like, give us what we want. Mm-hmm. Agatha. Who wants hey. Agatha? Give me Wongers and Madison. What's your deal with hating on Agatha? This is the second time you've you put down that show. I, I confronted you I, about it last time and you're like, I do want that show, but I I'm starting you, to suspect. There, there's there was a meme, I guess, that I saw that it was like mm-hmm. what Marvel thinks we want, and it said Agatha, House of Harkness. And this was uh-huh. before this was before the announcement. But what we really want is Wong, Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. So I still have that in my mind. That, and that's why I default back to that. Listen, I don't want it at the cost of Agatha House of Harkness, but nice. or Ma- Coven of Chaos now. Yeah. I'll take it all, please. And like you said, we are currently awaiting D23 announcements tomorrow. So. I'm gonna, I, I admit, though, House of Harkness I like better than Coven of Chaos. Oh, 100% a better name. Yeah. Like, that's... Oh. Coven of Chaos is generic. It is. 
House of Harkness was iconic. Well, well, where I got House of Harkness was excited about that. It's like, oh, we're going to dive into this character and get some backstory because, like, that's your last name and, you know, and and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. But now it's like Coven of Chaos. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a – so we're going to get into the chaos magic. Clearly, you know, it's just going to be some other witches. Does that mean Wanda comes back? I kind of hope not. Um and not because I don't like Wander the the thing, but it's like no, Agatha's gonna have her show. Let her have her show. You, you know what I mean? And so yeah. So anyways, until next time. <laughs> Those are Jude's final thoughts for She-Hulk episode four. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm teasing you, but honestly, I didn't have I my only straight thought I had for this episode is what I shared about the GLK and H with the uh, Stan Lee Jack Kirby cam or references to the names but uh yeah so well that is going to be a good place to end this episode if you enjoyed it at mcd know both on twitter and instagram you could follow us there but honestly the best place to keep in contact with us right now is the discord we mentioned at the top of the show that we are doing weekly rewatches. So if you want to join us and elaborate on your thoughts for this episode we just talked about, we'd love to hear what you thought about that episode and our podcast review. So make sure you join the Discord link. Uh, There's a link in the show notes. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. I believe we still have the phone number. Give us a call if you'd like. Make sure to leave a rating and review Apple podcast. And I think we were just talking about Spotify is adding soon. The ability testing the feature, testing the feature about leaving comments um, and reviews on there as well. So that would be good. You know what? Word of mouth. It's a great review. Just find that little, you know, sideways snowman or whatever it is. Click the dot, click share, text it to a friend, send the episode on and, that would help us out tremendously. Sideways snowman. Yeah, you know, like the three dots, like here, you got the skinny snowman, where it's like those three dots built up, and you just, just think, Nick Sandy. I've never heard that <laughs> referred to as a sideways snowman. <laughs> oh, I will thank Nick Sandy, but you mentioned the phone number. I haven't been saying it. It's a good call on you. If you want to reach us, 512-893-1355. We'd love to hear you. And who knows, you may even make an intag. But, of course, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on a SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. Well, and then also I screwed myself over because I teased you for the uh, thank you for the Bwing song, and I just threw off the timing because I didn't say it's his rendition of the Avengers theme. Oh, my god! <laughs> Which, come to find out, wasn't even – because even friend Daniel was confused, like, Bwing song? I was like, when in the moment, for some reason, I thought he was saying Bwing-a-wing instead of Bring-a-wing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, you know what? You, you know what? Um Hang on. I'm going to send you a YouTube link that you have to watch. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch.
Yeah, I'm gonna send you this YouTube link. And it's it's um it's a YouTube short. Okay. It's a YouTube short. I'm gonna do you want it on you want me to to your phone or through the Discord? Uh phone. Okay, it's a YouTube short, so it won't take long. All right. Because this is what I thought you were referring to. repeatedly in the documentary and now i'm completely terrified of the words um i don't go near it the first one you sort of get away with and then after that you lose all sense of what the <laughs> is. Uh, let's, let's have a look listen carefully and the last thing you might expect to see here is penguins these are fjordland crested penguins named after this corner of south new zealand so why are these woodlands so attractive to penguins? A freshwater stream through the forest makes a handy highway for a parent penguin heading home from the fishing trip. <laughs> I thought that's what no. you were referring to. No, I, I thought was you were funny you. Oh, I thought you were making a joke about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, because I think what I didn't catch on until I was editing, you were trying to say, bring a wingman. Mm-hmm. But then you stopped yourself and from being gendered about it, and you said, bring a wing person. Mm-hmm. So my, because I've never heard wing person as a phrase, my brain got stuck on bring a wing, and it just skyrocketed <laughs> from there. <laughs> we did two episodes, so I was just completely loopy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man.